0: Well, listen, I, I do want to say good morning to all of you. I want to welcome you to uh, our late summer slash fall series on the Holy Spirit. Um, so what I'm telling you is we are going to spend from today all the way up through the holidays um, just getting to know the Spirit of God. And it was really funny when I first started this. I thought, you know, it's we need a good Holy Spirit series. And so I was thinking like, you know, four weeks, and I started just working on it and penciling it out, and I was like, I could keep doing this for years. There was so much here. So, But we're going to do this, and it's really important for us as the church to know the Holy Spirit, to know about the Holy Spirit um, for a number of reasons. One is because without the Holy Spirit at work in our lives as individuals and as the church, we're in a lot of trouble. Um, We cannot grow into maturity as Christians without the Holy Spirit at work inside of us. Um, As the church, we cannot possibly accomplish the mission and the ministry of Jesus Christ apart from the Holy Spirit. And then together, without the Holy Spirit working through us, the lost around us are never going to come to know Jesus, not through us. And so again, it's really important that we know the Holy Spirit. Um, that we have a living relationship. Without it, what happens to the church is we either become like a spiritual social club or just like like a a religious programming factory, and we don't want that. Um, We we also are going to spend time getting to know the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is unknown to far too many Christians. Francis Chan even wrote a Bible study called The Forgotten God about the Holy Spirit reintroducing the Holy Spirit to the evangelical church and and then the final reason we're gonna do this sermon series is because and we just might as well say it when it comes to the Holy Spirit there is far too much spiritual malpractice in the church and by the way that that's in any direction you look Um, denominational non-denominational traditional Pentecostal and so we're gonna take this journey together Um, Here are a few things that you can expect as we take this 16-week journey. Um, First of all, we are going to keep it biblical when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Uh, Why? Because we ought to have the Word of God teaching us about the Spirit of God. Um, Second thing, we are going to keep this practical, engaging, Very everyday life. We ought to have a living, working, everyday, everywhere relationship with the Holy Spirit that spills into everything we do and everybody uh, that that we run into. And uh, so we're going to do that. And then third, uh, the word Holy Spirit, though the spirit part uh, suggests uh, male-female neutrality, I will refer to the Holy Spirit as He throughout the series for a good reason. Because Jesus did. So, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Um, So, having said all that, since this is week one, we are going to start with introductions, okay? Um, Just like if we met somebody on the street, we are going to answer just a couple of questions. Who is the Holy Spirit, and where does He come from? And that leads us today to this super simple doctrine known as the Trinity. I waited for laughter because... The concept of the trinity has actually been compared to quantum mechanics in physics by some people Um, it is so chock full of wonder and mystery and complexity Um, the the concept of the trinity blows our minds when we get into it it raises all these intricate questions why because it is a behind-the-scenes look At the inner makeup and working of God. But see, with the Trinity, here's one thing you don't want to do. You don't want to avoid it, though, either. Just because it's a great big complex, we don't want to make the the mistake of avoiding the Trinity or or having this kind of, you know, of a stance against it. Um, One time, Augustine, just so you know, was asked, and Aldo, this is for you. uh, Augustine was asked a Trinitarian question. Someone said to him, uh, what was God doing before He created the universe? And Augustine, without skipping a beat, said, God was preparing hell for people like you who ask questions like that. All right? Now, I am sure he was kidding, okay? Um, I, I know, But I just want you to know it's okay not to understand all the intricacies of God. That is part of what makes God beautiful to the church, it's the wonder, it's, it's the mystery. And just so you know, the concept of the Trinity, it, it, yes, it involves the mind, but it also involves faith. It is like belief in God. And when I say faith, here's what I mean by that. I don't mean uh, uh, faith is something you believe because I said it to you. Faith is what we believe because God said it to us in His Word. So um, we're gonna dig in. And um, we are going to get to know the Spirit of God. The goal today for us is to open our ears, our eyes, and our heart to the wonder of God. And if we do this right scripturally today, you may be a little blown away at who He is, okay? So let me pray for us. Father God, we need to know Your Holy Spirit. Father, I thank You that that You are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God, we do. We want to be in a living relationship with You. We don't wanna be people who know all about you but don't know you, who have a head full of facts and our hearts are empty. Lord, we don't wanna be a people who go through motions and just kind of, kind of go through a spiritual checklist. God, we wanna have a living, breathing faith. And so um, God, just meet us in this place and fill us up with the goodness and the knowledge of yourself today in Jesus' name, amen. All right, first things first, where did this word Trinity come from? Um, Fun fact, the word Trinity came from an argument, all right? Over 1,800 years ago, uh, back in 2013, a theologian named Tertullian first used the word Trinity against a heretic named Praxis. Now, uh, uh, we don't have to get too deep into this, but Praxis was all over the place with his understanding of God. He was a, and I'm gonna introduce a new bad word to you, okay, a new cuss word. He was a modalist, all right? Uh, You can look that up theologically. Not a good place to be. And so, uh, so, Tertullian took his biblical understanding of God and presented it, used this word, and then 110 years later, The concept of trinity became formal church doctrine 325 a.d council of nicaea and we have been using it ever since what's the point well the point is this the word trinity you will find it nowhere in any version of the bible but good news don't let that rattle you the concept of the trinity Is everywhere in Scripture, and I'll show that to you in a minute. Um, Before we get there, let me tell you what the concept of the Trinity is. All right, and this is where some of your minds might begin to smoke a little bit. Okay, as we work through this real quick. But the concept of the Trinity. This is this is a beautiful logo that captures it all here. But it is that God, God eternally exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, more specifically. the doctrine of the Trinity is that there is one God, okay? Despite the terms Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there is one God. This is not three separate gods. Uh, that would be a little thing known as polytheism, um, which I think even takes praxis as heresy to a whole other level. Um, so there's only one God, and this God exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they are all equal with the same Divine substance, all right? Divine insides, divine spiritual DNA, and together these three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they are the one God of the Bible. All right, we doing okay so far? All right, well, let's go a little further here. Each person, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are unique. They are distinct, and yet they act in perfect unity, which hopefully you've seen in Scripture. And what that means then is that the Father is not the Son and the Spirit, the Son is not the Father and the Spirit, and the Spirit is not the Father and the Son. See, I, I, can, hear the, I can hear the wheels spinning now, okay? And all three of these, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are eternal, and all three are worthy of our worship and our obedience, mind-blowing concept. But it is extremely important for us as Christians to have this Trinitarian view. So important, in fact, that if we move away from the Trinity, if we as Christians go, you know what, I like everything I see in Scripture, but you know, I, I don't get this Trinity thing, I'm moving away from it. We actually move outside of Christian belief and we ourselves move into heresy. And so what we're left with is this fascinating dynamic. And and I love the way one person said it. They said it this way. I wish I knew who it was. They said, you know, if you try to explain the Trinity, you will lose your mind. But if you deny the Trinity, you will lose your soul. Whoa, isn't that that heavy? That's a big statement. And so now what we want to do is we want to actually turn to the Word of God, okay? Okay. We wanna turn to the Word of God and see if this concept is really there. Does the Word of God support the concept of Trinity? Does it promote it? Does it confirm it? So here we go. Y'all ready? Buckle up, all right? If you're a NASCAR, put on that five-point harness because here we go. Matthew 3.16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending on like a dove and alighting or landing on him. And the Father's voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. It's pretty good. Are there more? Matthew twenty-eight nineteen: Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. John 14.26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I, Jesus, have said to you. Acts 1.4, Jesus gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me, Jesus, speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with water the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.33, exalted to the right hand of God. He, Jesus, has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Second Corinthians 13.14, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Ephesians 2.18, for through Him, Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Ephesians 2.22, four verses later, in Him, Jesus, you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God, the Father, lives by His Spirit. Hebrews 9.14, how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, offered himself unblemished to God the Father. And then, finally, well, not really, 1 Peter 1-2, to God's elect, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ, sprinkled with his blood. Folks, it is there. It's there everywhere. Every one of these verses affirm this Trinitarian view. God clearly represented as Father Son and Holy Spirit now you may be sitting there going okay that was awesome didn't know there was that much and by the way there's a whole lot more in the New Testament but you may have noticed that every single reference I just used was New Testament if this concept of Trinity is real we ought to see it in the Old Testament right well Let's try and find the Trinity in the Old Testament. Now, I'm going to go, uh, we're going to have to search for a while, okay? So, I'm going to start at the very beginning, and lo and behold, Genesis 1, 1 and 2, there it is. Here's the Trinity. When we are introduced to God in the very beginning, the opening words of Scripture, we read this, in the beginning, God the Father created the heavens and the earth, And now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Do you see it? Well, yeah, you see that I only have two fingers up. Okay, we have a problem. What about Jesus? Where was Jesus at creation? Well, when you open up to John 1, 2, and 4, we discover this. He, Jesus, was with God in the beginning. Through him, All things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Now, that right there drops my jaw, but when you read just a few verses down in Genesis 1, you get to verse 26, you find God actually talking to the Trinity in creation. Listen to this. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds, oh, I'm sorry, the fish are down. I pointed up the fish in the sea, right? We don't want to do that. The birds in the sky over all the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God made them in his image, male and female, he made mankind in His image. And so it's all there in the Word of God. And again, I gave you the short list of scriptures of Trinity. Now, here's what's fun with the Trinity, is applying it, okay? If this concept is so wonderful of Trinity, we ought to have some real takeaway from, for our lives um, at first, I was stumped for a second, like, how do we bring this into the here and now? I started making lists. When I got to 37, I stopped, okay? So I'm going to give you my top five applications this week for, the, for what the Trinity means in our lives, okay? Takeaway number one, you just heard it. You and I were created in the image of God, in the image of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you and I were created in the image of God. Today my prayer has been all week that that truth alone would hit you like a waterfall and soak you to the bones. We were created in the image of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, male and female. Let that speak to your sense of self-worth. Let that speak To to any sense of unworthiness or I'm a mistake, you're created in the image of God. That's who we are. Takeaway number two, the Holy Spirit is God. So everything we ever read about the character of the Father and the Son is true of the Holy Spirit, the love of God, the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God. And by the way, that answers an age, age-old question for some of us, which is, is it okay to pray to the Holy Spirit? Yes, absolutely. He is your God. Pray, enjoy fellowship with Him. Talk to Him. Number three, the Trinity introduces us to the wonder, the mystery, and the majesty of God. And I know as, as modern-day people, we're not, we don't like that, you know, I mean, listen to most people. I've got to understand it all. I, you know, I've got to be able to see every wheel turning, every wiring connection. I have to understand all the ins and the outs. First of all, that theory doesn't apply to much in life. We don't understand everything. You know, there's not much we understand all the way through, but listen, with God, I don't want a God that I understand everything about. And that would be a very small God if Steve Keller, with, with his intellect, right, you know, his ingenuity, if I could tell you every single thing about how he is and who he is and how he works, he'd be a very little God. But I will tell you this about the Word. The Word of God tells us everything we need to know about him down here. It tells us everything we need to know for life and faith and and why he's worthy of our lives, uh, all about our salvation. We have everything we need. Takeaway number four, the Trinity, Augustine, does tell us what God was doing before creation. You know what it was? God was in perfect, loving fellowship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were in a perfect, loving relationship relationship. And always have been for all of eternity. You know, Jesus actually tells us about that relationship. In John 3, in John 5, and John 10, Jesus says this, okay? He repeats himself quite a bit here. But he says, the Father loves the Son, and the Father has loved me before the creation of the world. That's Jesus talking about this fellowship this loving family relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if that's not cool enough, then in John 17, praying to the Father, he prays that we would enter that relationship. Jesus invites us into fellowship with the Father. We read it last week. You remember that? Father, I pray that they may all be one. As I am in you and you are in me, may they be in us in that fellowship. That's what God is up to. With his journey of faith, this life of faith. That's what he's growing us up into, and it's beautiful. And then, takeaway number five is simply the nearness of God. We sang about it this morning, right? The nearness of God. At Christmas, we do a really good job with this with Jesus. You know, our favorite word at Christmas, one of them is it starts with an E. And it ends with an L, and in the middle, it has Emmanuel, right? It's Emmanuel, right? God with us. We celebrate at Christmas that Jesus Christ came down onto this earth, and he walked and he talked with us, right? He showed us the Father. He opened the way up to heaven. We love that. Well, listen, newsflash, that's what God has been doing all along. You see that in Scripture, right? I mean, God, over and over and over again, repeats this phrase, I am with you. I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you again and again and again. And when you look at the Bible, that's the action of the Bible. Look at the Old Testament, primarily God the Father. You know, whether it's a cloud by day, fire by night, you know, some kind of manifestation in the wilderness, uh, moving through the prophets, God is with His people in the Old Testament. Look at the Gospels. Well, where is Jesus? Man, Jesus is talking to people and high-fiving and praying for them and loving on them and feeding them. I mean, Jesus is present in the Gospels. That's what Pentecost is all about. The Spirit of God then is poured out with God's people. And God is with us right now. It's not a fairy tale. It's, It's not a wish. It is a spiritual reality near to us, never leave us, and never forsake us. Whew, that's an introduction to the Holy Spirit, at least for me again, right? So with that said, let's prepare our hearts for communion. And I believe this will all come together for us today at the table. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Oh, God, thank you for how glorious and how beautiful you are. Thank you that you are so filled with mystery that it does blow our earthly minds, and yet you have left no question that we need unanswered, unanswered on this earth. I thank you today, God, that you are so present with us as we get ready to move to communion. You promised Jesus by the Spirit to be present at this table, to meet us, to restore us, to to draw us near again. And so Father, we just ask you to prepare us for this movement in our hearts of just moving right there in your direction with you today in Jesus' name.